Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. I'm Holly Powell, and I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life as seen through the lens of the Collects in the Book of Common Prayer. And this week, we're wrapping up our government series um, by talking about the final two collects that we have um, on the agenda. I am so glad we're done with big government, Holly. Oh, seriously. I mean, I just can't talk about government anymore, Brendan, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> well, I, I say we remove two collects about government for every one collect we add. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Although, actually, I'm not mad about the collects this week, at least not the first one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to hear it? Yeah. The first collect is the collect for courts of justice, which can be found on page 821 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, who sittest in the throne judging right, we humbly beseech thee to bless the courts of justice and the magistrates in all this land, and give unto them the spirit of wisdom and understanding that they may discern the truth and impartially administer the law in the fear of thee alone. Through him who shall come to be our judge, thy son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it's another George Zabriskie prayer. Yeah, so it is. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Well, I'm going to hold off on talking about that in particular, but I will say that of the prayers that we have from him, this one is actually probably my favorite. Yeah, I can't remember the other two that... I know we've talked about two of his, haven't we? Uh, Yeah, he did the one for a state legislature Uh and the one for the president. Oh, yeah. Okay, this one's better. This one's the best of those three. Yeah. Well, and I think it's probably a little bit easier because... The Bible doesn't have the concept of a president or a Congress. Sure. But it does have a concept of a judge. Fair enough. So our buddy George had uh, quite a bit of biblical stuff to draw on here, and, uh, and he sure did. Yeah, yeah. This prayer was first included in the 28 BCP, and as you said, it was, it was written by Mr. George Zabriskie, who completed the hat trick with this collect as he nailed all three forms of government. So the references that are showing up in this prayer are to uh, Psalm 9-4 and Isaiah 1 through 3. Marion Hatchett asserts that there is also a reference to the Te Deum here. And I'm not one to contradict Marion Hatchett. No, you are not. But... (laughs) While the Te Deum does refer to Jesus coming as our judge, there are a lot of other things that refer to that too. And there's uh, nothing really in the phrasing of this prayer that says, oh yeah, that's the Te Deum. But the Psalm 9 verse 4 quote that is kind of incorporated into this is, For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. So I guess that's the whole almighty God who sittest in the throne judging right. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then in the uh, Isaiah quote, this is from the passage that begins, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. But uh, that that's not really the section that uh, Zabriskie includes here. It's the idea, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. Mm-hmm. So very clearly strong influence here. And so, yeah. I, I'm on record as being a fan of most of the time. My favorite collects are the ones that are just weaving pieces of scripture together. Mm-hmm. And this one does it really well. Yeah. Although I don't know if this struck you as, as strange, the, the phrasing that God sits in the throne. Yeah. Did that strike you as weird? I wonder if that's just like an archaic turn of phrase or something. I, I guess. It is odd. I wonder if it was just like a typo in the 28 prayer book and we just (laughs) kept it because in 79, everybody said the same thing. But you would sit in a chair. True. But I guess I've just always heard like on a throne. Here, I'm Googling that phrase. Oh, okay. Here's where it's coming from. Okay. So that Psalm 9-4 reference Mm-hmm. The uh, in the throne bit appears in some of the older English translations of the Bible. Uh, so it's coming up as in the Douay Reims version. Uh, let's see if it's in the KJV. No, King James. Oh, no, that's New King James. God. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, King James version also uses in the throne. So that's hmm. why. Okay. Now we know. Yep. Insert and knowing is the, half the battle. Yeah, I was going to say insert the more you know gif. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could have gifs on this podcast. Me too. <laughs> All right. So shall we talk about the second collect now or shall we read it? Uh, sure, let's do that. Why don't you read it, Brendan? Okay. I always get to be the prayer. All right. This is the uh, Collect for Local Governments, which can be found on page 822. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, send down upon those who hold office in this state or other jurisdiction the spirit of wisdom, charity, and justice, that with steadfast purpose they may faithfully serve in their offices to promote the well-being of all people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. That was a nice... uh nice insertion there because the the actual wording of the collect in the prayer book has this whole in this state parentheses commonwealth slash city slash county slash town slash blank yeah like you don't even know (laughs) yeah it could be a village or a hamlet or oligarchy or something You know, there's not a whole lot to say about this prayer other than the kind of public officials need our prayers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this one's pretty direct about what it's asking for. Yeah. And, you know, it makes it's new to this prayer book. And it is a revised version of a prayer from the 1959 Canadian prayer book. This, This prayer feels Canadian. Doesn't it? It seems very polite. Yep. You know, promoting the well-being of all people, mm-hmm. faithfully serving in their offices, steadfast purpose. That sounds like something a Mountie would say in his oath. 
I totally agree with you, and I have no idea why I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, but seriously, I will say, so yesterday, um, and we're recording this on February 13th, I was at a large public meeting uh, sponsored by IndyCan, which is the Indianapolis Congregational Action Network. And it was really focused on a lot of these issues surrounding um, ICE actions and hostility towards Muslims and uh, and concerns about healthcare being at risk. Yeah, and sure. there were tons of people there. It was crazy. Uh, the it was at a Catholic high school or might be a middle schooler. Anyway, it's Catholic school. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and so the meeting was held in the gym. Well, the gym was packed. I managed to get to a hallway where I could kind of see into what was going on. Uh, But there were people in the stairways. There were people, um, they kind of opened the doors to the outside, and there were people gathered outside so they could see into the gym. A lot of people were watching it on Facebook Live because they couldn't get in the room. Wow. And a lot of public officials were there. So the mayor of Indianapolis was there, a number of city councilmen, uh, some representatives from the police. Uh, The sheriff was supposed to show up, but he was a no-show for reasons I don't understand. And anyway, I I just felt when it comes to resisting some of the horrible things uh, that are being done or threatened to be done uh, to many of our neighbors by the new administration. You know, a lot of these local people really are trying to discern uh, what is right. Uh, The mayor didn't make much in the way of specific promises, uh, but the fact that he was there and really trying to, and actually gave a fairly powerful speech, I, I just think, you know, he is genuinely trying to figure this thing out. And uh, and so, you know, he deserves these prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, last week, my daughter had her Girl Scout troop went to a local city council meeting. And they've been talking about how women can impact change and how girls, even young girls, can impact change. And so they went, they had a an individual meeting with one of our city council members and then they uh, went to the the city council meeting and learned how that worked and it was really cool and it made me feel like this strange feeling i haven't felt in three to four months and i think it was maybe hope but it went away so fast i couldn't tell (laughs) Uh, but anyway it was it was cool, and I definitely agree with you that this is um, these folks need our prayers because this is hard work and often very thankless work. Yeah, yeah. That they're doing. Well, anything else on these prayers? Um, I don't think so. Shall we acknowledge and bewail? Sure. Okay. I have an acknowledgement. I also have an acknowledgement. Okay, exciting, exciting stuff. Well, my acknowledgement is that just yesterday. Um, courtesy of Amazon, I received my copy of friend of the show, Jordan Haney Ware's book, The Ultimate Quest. I thought Amazon was out of stock. Did you get get it before it, the that notice came up? Dude, okay. So I had pre-ordered it. I don't remember how long ago. Probably the last time we were on their show or they were on our show and she told us about it. And so I pre-ordered it. Then I got a notification from Amazon saying... We're sorry, this item that you've pre-ordered is out of stock. Do you want to cancel your order or do you want to stay on the list? 
So I just clicked stay on the list. And then the next day I got a shipping notification. So I don't know <laughs> what happened, but here it is. Woo! Oh, hang on. Hang on. Let me take a picture of that. Okay. So um, I started reading a little bit yesterday and it's excellent. It's I actually learned something, which is something you probably already knew, but I learned that that I didn't realize that the British Book of Common Prayer the, the, in the Church of England is the same one that was published in 1662. Oh, yeah. That's because it takes an act of parliament to change it. Indeed, it does. And after hundreds of years and several attempts, the last in 1928, the Church of England appears to have resigned itself to the fact that it won't ever change. Yeah, and do you think we've got prayer book revision problems? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I, I'm sure I had maybe heard that before, but it had never really sunk into me. I also didn't realize that the baptismal covenant was new to the 79 prayer book. I don't know. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah. I don't know if the baptismal covenant is in the schedule that Regina has made for us, but um, we'll be surprised when we get to it. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's super interesting. It's very well written. And um, we at the College Call will um, heartily endorse it. So I would like to acknowledge George Zabriskie. (laughs) (laughs) You would, huh? Tell me more. So basically right now, Google thinks the only thing I am interested in is the genealogy of Polish families that have been in the United States since before the Revolutionary War. Oh my god. <laughs> and and isn't that what everyone's interested in? Well, yeah, I don't know why not. Okay, so he, here's the thing about George Zabriskie. He was born in 1868, and he is sort of a scion of a very prominent, or at least then very prominent, family uh, who had emigrated from Poland and had been in the U.S. Uh, for a long, long time. George was in the commodities business and so started out with a flower business in New York City in 1883. But where he kind of gained a little bit of fame was that he was in charge of the administration of sugar and flour during World War I. So. Yeah, so during that period, uh, there were rations and things like that. And so he was in charge uh, not only of, you know, administering sugar and flour in the United States, uh, but also getting it to the allies in that war. And as a result of that, he was decorated with the Knight Order of the Crown in Belgium, the Polish Polonia Restituta Cross. Whoa. And he is a Falcon of Iceland. Stop. (laughs) <laughs> what is a falcon of Iceland? Is it like a like a sir, like an honorary knight? I, yeah, I don't know what you're supposed to call a falcon of Iceland, but and Iceland what what wasn't even independent then, uh, but that was actually the period when Iceland kind of rose to prominence and out of abject poverty because uh, they had uh, sheep and the wool was needed to make army uniforms. So cool. So after the war, he became president of the Empire Biscuit Company, uh, was a director at North Jersey Title Insurance Company. Oh. Um, And uh, he was also president of the United States Sugar Association. Cool. Also, he was a member of a lot 
of clubs. So the Maritime Exchange, the Merchant Association, the Sons of the American Revolution, and it appears he had a particular passion for the history of the city of New York. So he was the New York Historical Society's president from 1939 uh, to 1947. It's actually a little bit difficult to find direct connection of him to a particular Episcopal church, and I can't quite uh, figure that out. Um, but he does show there is a George Zabriskie, not uh, it doesn't have the George Albert Zabriskie, mm. but who would have been about the right age, who shows up in the journals of General Convention, serving in uh, in various capacities. Uh, and also, the George Albert Zabriskie uh, did definitively make a donation of a number of items to the Church Club Library, um, including some pretty ancient books, a 1727 folio bound in red velvet <gasps> with brass. Brendan, how do I get into the Church Club? So the Church Club of New York, I, I, I don't know... Oh, I don't really know how to join, but I'm about to find out and click on the link. But yeah. it is still a thing. I found their website. There's a big old picture of Catherine Jeffrey Shorey on their main page. Really? I've got a picture of... It rotates. Okay. Just waiting for the other dude. Okay. The Church Club of New York was founded in 1887 by a group of committed laymen as a forum for theological education and social interaction, seeking to give the laity a voice in the affairs of the diocese separate from individual parishes. Well, I dig that. Yeah, that, that's, that's fine so far. Prominent club members, including J.P. Morgan were instrumental in funding a number of diocesan projects, including the Cathedral Church of St. John of the Divine. Hmm. The club's heyday was one of white-tie dinners at the Waldorf Astoria and a series of theological lectures by American and British scholars. Sounds like the sort of thing Jesus would have been into. I think so. I think so. The church club is the proud author owner of an autographed manuscript of Samuel John Stone's famous hymn, The Church is One Foundation. Okay. <laughs> Oh wow! In the in the seventies, in nineteen seventy five, the the club almost broke up because of admitting women. Oh God! But they did finally admit women, and hey, there's there has even been a female president of the church club. It's a significant social organization for active Episcopalians in the New York metropolitan region. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. How, do, how how let's see. How do we become members? <laughs> I don't think, much like Groucho Marx, I'm not sure I want to be a member of any club that would admit me. <laughs> so uh, you can get life membership for $4,000. Oh. But a basic membership is uh, $65. Or a dual membership is $390 for people in... I don't understand. Right. Bridget. Whoa. Young adult membership, $45 for one person under the age of 40. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> oh my god. You know, all of our listeners who are in the Church Club of New York... They're so are, mad right now. They are about to write us very angry letters. <laughs> well, also your membership days are tax deductible, so that should make you feel good. Okay. So you probably have to pay for the dinners separately then. Probably. Wow, that was in that was really 
informational. That That's a major, major uh, digression, though. So there's some additional things that I have to tell you about uh, George Zabriskie. Uh, please do. So George Zabriskie was an anti-prohibitionist. Uh, so he served as an officer of the Moderation League, and he carried around a hip flask as a personal statement that um, that he was opposed to prohibition. And among other things, he wrote a book called The Bon Vivant's Companion, which was self-published uh, for his friends. Uh, but he made 1,200 copies, so I guess he had a lot of friends. What? And included a recipe for a cocktail called the Zabriskie. Oh my god, we are so making that at our next party. <laughs> yeah, so it is one dash of Boker's Bitters, whatever that is, one dash of maraschino, five-eighths jigger of Plymouth gin, and three-eighths jigger of martini and Rossi vermouth, fill glass with ice, stir, strain, and smile. Wow. And then last of all, this George Albert Zabriskie <laughs> is not to be confused with the George Albert Zabriskie, who in 1913 was arrested for assault in Utah for getting in a fight uh, along with his brother Charles, Charles and George getting in the fight with their brother-in-law, whose name was Peterson. Uh, they were all drunk and they beat Peterson with an oak stick. And uh, this George Zabriskie uh, served 60 days in jail and paid a fine of $50. But that is not the George Zabriskie who wrote the prayers that we are discussing. <laughs> How can you be sure? <laughs> uh, actually, I wasn't because I was like, I saw this because... Um, okay, this is delightful. So this comes from the pardon application. Mm -hmm. And so there are several things that show up in the application for pardon. Uh, se seven, in fact. And so number seven is, I have never been convicted of any offense except fill in the blank. And filling in the blank is being drunk. And I was like, <laughs> so it's really easy to believe that this is the same guy because of um, of his involvement right. in the anti-temperance thing. Uh, however, the pardon application also comes with a plea from uh, George uh, Zabriskie's father, who is not the same father wow. uh, that George oh. Zabriskie has. You really took this and ran with it, Brendan. Uh, yeah. That's what I yeah. love about you. <laughs> <laughs> he was buried, or his funeral was in 1954 at the Church of St. Matthew and St. Timothy in New York. And uh, Herbert Hoover was one of his pallbearers. Cool. So that is George Zabriskie. Let us all make a Zabriskie cocktail or an equally attractive non-alcoholic uh, alternative in his memory. Hashtag lavish bottles of Zabriskies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Man, I love the Book of Common Prayer. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad you do. Because otherwise, uh, I'd just be talking to myself, and it'd be real boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a lot more about George Zabriskie. I, maybe... I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he has a house that was that is in ruins um, overlooking the Hudson River in New Jersey. Um, so, anyway. Oh, we should take a field trip. Uh, we should. It'll be... Uh, 
I don't know, it should be some sort of collect call junket that will charge thousands of dollars for our friends in the Church Club of New York to go on. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Amazing, because they are going to be so impressed by us after we have talked such great things about them tonight. I'm sure they are wonderful people. I'm sure they are too. <laughs> so, that is my acknowledgement. Indeed. <laughs> Do you have a bewailing? <laughs> I would like to bewail that Norton antivirus is basically just as bad as having a computer virus. That is real talk, Brendan. <laughs> and I would but, like to bewail that there's some sort of driver issue on my computer that causes me to occasionally lose internet service. And this is a real first world problem, but it's my first world problem. <laughs> Well, if you would like to tweet to us about your first world problems, you can do that at The Collect Call, or you can find us on Facebook at The Collect Call, or send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8movement.org. You can also find our parent organization on Facebook and Twitter at acts8movement or on the web at acts8movement.org. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And next week, it's going to be pretty hype, but in a very solemn kind of way. Totally. Because we are going to begin be beginning our Lenten series. Yep. Get so, ready. Uh, yep. Get your ashes ready, folks. Mm-hmm. We'll see your ash next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let our mortal flesh keep silence. And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to